the autobiography paging through stories of your favorite athletes well, this is a moment in the show I've been waiting for for a very, very long time. I was in Athens, my first Olympics in 2004 as television and radio commentator covering about 25 different sporting codes during that event, co-share arrangements with Australia and New Zealand. And one of the sports that I was really passionate about covering was gymnastics. And we had for the first time in that Olympics in 44 years, an Olympic, an Olympian competing in artistic gymnastics. And she joins me now on the line all the way from Nashville in Tennessee in the United States. Sandra Labuskachny, it's been a very, very long time. How wonderful to chat to you on the show and welcome. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, Zandra, you and I both shared an Olympic experience. I, I, I had two moments in that, in that uh, Athens Olympics that really got to me, that gave me goosebumps. One was watching the opening ceremony live, which I was privileged to do. And the second one was watching you walk into the arena with Paddy Chadwick, our esteemed judge, walking behind and marching into that arena as the first artistic South African gymnast in the, in the women's competition for 44 years. Just take us back those 19 years to that particular experience you were you were fairly young at the time and just what that meant for you to have known that you've achieved the pinnacle in your sport yeah um i think i would have to go back to my uh, early teenage years um i remember uh being in school i was probably not much older than 10 or 11 and um i think one of the assignments i was given in school was uh to write an essay on something that you uh, would like to accomplish or your biggest dream. And I remember writing that essay stating that I would love to be um, an Olympian one day and to compete on the world stage. Um, little did I know, fast forward to 18-year-old me, <laughs> I was able to you know, bring that dream to fruition. I Till this day, I still don't know how that happened, but I was fortunate enough to, um, to accomplish that. And I don't think it, it truly fully set in until after I had completed all four of my events. Mm -hmm. um, I remember so many people saying, you know, just take a moment to take it all in when you compete there, because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the anxiety and the stress and the pressure of, of competing um, at the Olympic level that you kind of forget to just enjoy the moment of being there. And I remember turning around when I completed my last event and just looked at the arena and just took a moment to take it in. And um, that was just a kind of a special moment for myself personally, because um, I felt like, gosh, I made it. Um, and this is something I had dreamed about. So um, I guess that in a nutshell kind of summarizes, you know, some of that experience for me. And you had your longtime coach with you, Susie Herselman, who I know is listening to this interview tonight because I messaged it specifically to tell her that you were on. Uh, so, and I know the gymnastics community in South Africa is also very, very excited about it. But having her with you, having that support so that it wasn't only you alone walking into the arena, but having people like Susie and knowing that Paddy was judging and there was a bit of a South African family in, in, involved as well. Did that, did that help to ease the nerves a bit? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I didn't mention earlier was the fact that, you know, it truly takes a village to get to that point. Um, and I would not have been able to accomplish that without the support of my my coaches, my family, my friends, um, the administrators um, and in the South African community um, that helped me get to that point. So absolutely, it, it truly does take a village. And I feel like 
all of those pieces, um, you know, played a very integral part to help get me there. Um, and I think, you know, having Susie with me was, uh, I don't know, um, very special for me um, because I really started out with her um, from the very beginning. So when I was a seven-year-old um, kid who had way too much energy, um, you know, that that kind of led me to uh, the sport of gymnastics initially, but she was um, one of the first people, point contact people that um, I um, I met that got me involved in the sport. And so, um, you know, for her to see me through until that experience was, was truly special. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning too, I think, you know, in hindsight, I always refer to my other coaches um, and Susie as kind of the, the dream team because hmm. um, Oleg Weiser and Tatiana Lavrenchuk yes. and Susie truly made up a, a you know very special team of, of coaches. And I think all of them brought very um, unique talents um, and knowledge to the sport um, that really helped me accomplish that goal. So it, it truly was a team effort um, and a you know, like I said, it takes a village to help get you <laughs> to mm. that point. So it was truly special having that um, experience and having, you know, Patty there as well as, as Susie Hashelman. So um, that was that was special as well. Obviously, it took a tremendous amount of hard work to get there. You were national champion the year before in 2003, also 2004 and four times in total. So it obviously prepared you. But the Olympics is on a completely different scale. Just give us an insight into how much extra preparation went into your Olympic prep for Athens. Oh, gosh, I would, you know, I would say it was kind of a cumulative effort over over 10 years, truly. Um you know, I think there was a, a big push for me to gain some Olympic um, competition experience before I competed in Athens. And so uh, truly the year or two before uh, the Olympic Games, um, you know, we try to seek out opportunities to compete internationally um, and to just gain that experience. And so, you know, my training looked somewhat different at that point, um, but um, really the emphasis was put on gaining more experience internationally um, and really gearing up my training and trying to stay healthy as best I could, mm -hmm. um, but also timing it so that I could, you know, peak at the right time. Um, so, you know, a lot of days were spent, you know, in the gym twice a day, um, but also managing um, injuries as best I could. Um, so um, I would really say that you know, the full 10 years fully prepared me for that experience since the time I started. But I think the the, the two to three years leading up to that experience was mm -hmm. a really important time period um, that uh, helped um, get me to that point. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, this, in terms of uh, of Olympic prep, just going going into a tournament like that, and obviously getting your mind right, and knowing that you're not competing in a gym somewhere in South Africa, but you're competing on the world stage with all the television cameras, with the big stars of the sport competing alongside you. Uh, just what goes on mentally as as an 18 year old, as you say, what goes on through your mind, and and what were your aims also going into that competition? Was it just basically to do the best that you can do to have a clean comp? land your landings, uh, perform your elements to uh, as as cleanly as you possibly could and know that deep down you've given the best that you can give. Yes. Um, you know, I think my my main goal was to obviously represent my country well um, and to basically do what you do in practice every single day. 
Um, you know, I think it's so easy to get wrapped up in all the hype and excitement of even being in the Olympic Village, the opening ceremonies, which I didn't um, participate in because our competition was very close to the the opening ceremony. So a lot of the artistic gymnasts opted to stay in the village and watch on the television. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all of that was geared toward making sure that you were rested and um uh, prepared for your training the, the very next day. So I think there's, it, it's easy to get wrapped up in, in all the hype and excitement of, of the Olympic games, um, and to put a lot of pressure on yourself, um, but also externally, I guess. Um, and so my, my main, um, incentive was just to do well, do what I do in practice every day. Um, and to just do my best. Um, I think, you know, one of the things my parents really instilled in me, um, was to, um, not get injured and to do your best. Um, and that's always stuck with me throughout every competition, no matter how big or how small. Mm. Um, and you kind of have to do the best to compartmentalize, um, because if you get wrapped up in the fact that, oh my gosh, this is the Olympics and this is what everyone works for. Um, and you go in with it, with only that mindset, it's easy to kind of derail yourself mentally. So, um, you know, I, I think I, I did the best I could with compartmentalizing and, um, doing the best I do, you know, um, and doing the best I, I typically can, yes. um, and what I do and practice every day. So, um, that's kind of the mindset or approach that I took. I can promise you as a South African in that arena, it was a, a very, very proud moment, as I say, watching you participate and, and compete. But after that, that, that Olympics obviously opened many doors for you because shortly thereafter, you relocated to the States and competed for a University of Illinois in the, in the college scene in, in American gymnastics, which is very, very different from what you would have been used to before. What, what preempted the, the move to go across? You know, I um, I kind of had a, a thought in my mind even prior to the Olympics that I would like to one day pursue um, college gymnastics. It's obviously something that I had seen on TV and was pretty intrigued by. Um, and, you know, having kind of accomplished my, my goal, I guess, of, of making it to a world championships and to um, the Olympic Games, I kind of set my my sights on getting a college degree um, as well as um, continuing gymnastics. I knew that was going to be pretty tough if I'd stayed in South Africa um, because I would have to compete under the, the FIG code um, as well as pay my own way through college. Um, and so, you know, I was very fortunate to have gotten a um, scholarship um, at the University of Illinois, Chicago, um, that allowed me the opportunity to not only, you know, go to school and study, um, but also compete in more of a team approach mm. um, for the next four years. So that was really, it seemed like the, um, you know, the next stepping stone for me in my career, um, but also switching my focus and focusing on academics as well, alongside gymnastics for right. the next four years. I want to take things a little bit further. We've just got to go and pay some rent so that we can afford to have chats to you over the air and chat to people all around the world. But we'll be back to chat more to our Olympic gymnast from 2004, Zandre Labiskachny, who's joining us from the States for this chat. The Autobiography, paging through stories of your favorite athletes. Chatting to our 
former Olympian, Zandre Labuskakhni. Zandre, it's, it's so strange. I haven't spoken to you for about 17 or 18 years and to hear you talking in an American <laughs> accent when I'm used to uh, chatting to you very much in a South African accent. Obviously, I presume you still got a lot of contacts back here in South Africa. Obviously, you're not missing the load shedding and, and all the problems that we have here, but I know that a, a big part of you obviously belongs here. That's This is where your your roots were. What, what is your connection at the moment with South Africa? And are you are you still speaking Afrikaans in your day-to-day life? Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, the accent has definitely morphed into an American accent. Uh-huh. Um, I, strangely enough, I was actually thinking about this the other day, but um, I have almost spent as much time in the U.S. as I have back in South Africa. So, um, you know, that that's a pretty interesting mind shift um, that took place for me when I realized, oh, gosh, I've almost been here for as long as I, you know, I spent in South Africa, um, which probably explains the accent as well. Um, but yeah, I, um, you know, South Africa will always be home. I, uh, even though I'm American citizen now, I, um, I still have dual citizenship. And so I still have my South African passport and I definitely still speak Afrikaans. Um, I have some family who live uh, just, you know, 30 minutes down the road here and you know, when we get together for our brides, we speak Afrikaans and we eat our biltong. And so, okay. um, you know, South Africa will always be home. And I obviously still have um, my family there. So even though I have some family uh, stateside, um, I definitely, um, the majority of my family is still back home. So um, I actually recently just made a trip um, back to Cape Town okay. um, uh, about a month ago. So, um, yeah. Uh, South Africa will always be home to me. <laughs> and, and your career, obviously, outside of the sport, you, uh, a psychologist, you you work obviously in an industry which, or in an area of work which is so critical to the sporting world, needing some sort of an idea about how the mind works and being able to, to, to train the mind. Do you get a lot of satisfaction from that and do you draw on your gymnastics ex- experience every day of your life? Absolutely. Um, you know, that was actually one of the, the things that, um, inspired me to to go to school and, and study psychology um, because I feel like a lot of your success, at least as an athlete, is predicated on your ability to control your mind. Um, if you lack that ability, um, I think you can have all the talent in the world and not um, accomplish what you set out to accomplish. And so um, that really was the impetus that um, drew me to psychology. And so um, even though my focus now has shifted slightly um, you know, I do psychological evaluations with kids um, and adults um, who uh, have, you know, learning challenges or uh, mental health challenges. Um, that's what I predominantly focus on right now. You know, it's it's always still fascinating to me about how the mind works and um, what we can do to um, improve our own um, mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have, um, you know, some passions to further pursue sports psychology and to focus more on that area. Um, since my graduate studies did focus on that as well, um, you know, I, I hope to kind of shift my focus at some point um, and do more therapy related work and do more um, mental skills training um, with athletes or um, folks who um, are pursuing um, their endeavors. So um, I definitely get satisfaction from it. And um, I still draw upon my experience as an athlete um, to help, um, you know, me succeed in this realm. So that's, that's really lovely to hear you. You told me that you, you're married to a high jumpers. I imagine that your kids these days have fantastic sporting genes. There must be future Olympians in the making. 
uh, that's what everyone says. So I guess okay. only time will tell. Um, yes, my husband competed as a high jumper and um, he um, uh, competed in the Olympic trials um, for the 2016 uh, Rio Games. And so um, he did not make the American team, but he um, presented himself really well and competed well. Um, and made the finals. Um, and so I definitely think our kids, you know, they, they may have some good sporting genes and we'll kind of see where that takes them. If they're passionate about sport, we'll obviously support them in, in any way that we can, but uh, won't be putting any pressure on them <laughs> to do that. So, Well, that's the best yeah. way you're supposed to go about it. Zandri, just uh, as we get towards the end of the in interview, you are, I'm sure, aware that African Championships coming up the next week, starting next Thursday in South Africa, Friday and Saturday in Pretoria, in Swane at the Hartfelt Arena. And uh, the teams have been announced now. The, the South African gymnasts, I know, are getting very, very excited about it. A few weeks ago, we had Naveen Darries and Caitlin uh, Ruiskrantz in studio with us to chat about the experience, their Olympic experience as well, and looking ahead to this event. Is there? Uh, do you still follow South African gymnastics quite closely? And is there a message you'd like to send to the South African gymnastics community? I do. Um, yeah, I definitely still follow it, and um, I was beaming with pride uh, when I was watching the games in Tokyo, knowing that we had two um, wonderful athletes representing our country there. Um, so absolutely still follow it and um you know all i can say to the girls um coming up um and competing um is that you know i will definitely be thinking of them um just go out there and do your best um this is obviously something that you have trained for and um your body has committed to muscle memory so just go out there and um, do the very best that you can um, i know regardless of the outcome they will make us proud um but um, I'll definitely be thinking of them and be watching um, to see what they they will be accomplishing. It's been an absolute pleasure and privilege to chat to you again after so, so long and keep up the, the great work that you're doing. I'm sure you're an inspiration to many around in the Nashville area and maybe bigger surrounds in the States. Come back and visit us again sometime soon. And thanks again for your chat. It, uh, it's been really lovely to catch up with you and hopefully expose some of our listeners to what can be achieved in the sport of gymnastics and maybe whet their appetites ahead of African champs next week. Best of luck with everything, Sandre. And I will remember that number 441 that you wore so proudly on your back in Athens as an 18-year-old very fondly. Take care and thanks again. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. It was a pleasure to talk with you.